Uh, Jess and her family called her Mama Mina. A little tiny woman of Lebanese background, she was my wife's grandmother. She and uh, Jess's grandfather lived in a small downtown apartment in Newport News, Virginia. Quite a few years ago, she was a dear lady. Everybody loved her. Just to watch her smile just made everybody feel good. She never learned to drive. Uh, she relied on others and she relied on the buses in the town. Mama Mina was a born-again Christian. She found the Lord early in life. But she wasn't a Sunday school teacher. She never spoke in a meeting. She didn't hold any church office, although she was smart enough to do that. But boy, did she have a spiritual gift. She would crochet blankets for family and friends. We still have some of them last a lifetime. She gave gifts to the bus drivers to thank them as she was taken from place to place around town. She made ethnic food and pastry for the family on the holidays and she regularly included a five dollar bill in each letter she sent to her granddaughters away at school. She called it her little hello. Mama Mina had the gift of practical ministry, and she used it to the full. Dear lady, she's with the Lord now, as is her husband. Today we begin a four-part series on spiritual gifts. Dick suggested that we do this series in response to comments that came in through the pastoral survey uh, about spiritual gifts. Just what are they? What are they for? So we're going to begin today with the Old Testament, which was a surprise to me, but uh, that's where we start. And then there'll be four New Testament passages as we go uh, into the new year. What are spiritual gifts and what are they for? Spiritual gifts are specific spiritual abilities given by the Lord in customized form, my words, customized form for each believer so that he or she can promote church growth. They're either new skills or they're talent enhancing ability. New skills or talent enhancing abilities. John MacArthur writes, spiritual gifts are divine enablements for ministry that the Holy Spirit gives in some measure to all believers that are to be completely under his control and used for the building of the church of Christ's glory. He adds, the gifts are like a palette of basic colors from which God selects to blend a unique hue for each disciple's life. I love that, a unique hue. Meyer says spiritual gifts can be infused entirely new powers or stimulating those already existing to higher power and activity something brand new that God gives you as his gift or something that God gives you to enhance the gift and talent that you have. Understanding spiritual gifts and then identifying them, which one or ones I have, you have, is an important part of the Christian life. The fact that it came up in a survey indicated, gee, I'd like to know more. 
what spiritual gift has God given me? When we trust Christ as our personal savior, God gives us gifts. We just had that experience during the holidays. How terrible to sit in the corner and go, I'm not getting anything. But we did. This is a super gift or gifts. Let's review the verses that we looked at. Let's give you an overview first. Two months after the Israelites left Egypt, they camped at the foot of Mount Sinai. Two months. Two months after the Red Sea, after the leaving, after Passover, all of that. Two months has gone by, and they camp at the foot of Mount Sinai. That's where they were to meet God. They stayed there for one full year. Moses made multiple trips up the mountain to meet with God. One time, God called him up to the mountain for a period of 40 days and 40 nights. Sounds like the ark, right? Two things happened. Number one, God's commandments were put on stone tablets for Moses to carry back down. But the far longer thing that happened was God described to Moses and then pictured for him a unique transportable meeting structure called the tabernacle. And that tabernacle would be a place where God would dwell, meet with, talk to his people. I carried around a book on the tabernacle. I was trying to get a little smarter before the message. And people, oh, what, what you reading? A book on the tabernacle. Oh, what's the tabernacle? I said, you remember the old show MASH? Mobile Army Surgical Hospital. It's sort of like that. And they got it. It included a central structure, its furniture and utensils, along with garments for the priests, the high priest and the other priests who would worship there. Exodus 25.9 says, According to all that I am showing you, the pattern of the tabernacle and the pattern of all its furnishings, you must make it exactly so. Exodus 29, 44-46 says, So I will consecrate the tent of meeting and the altar and will consecrate Aaron and his sons to serve me as priests. Then I will dwell with the Israelites and be their God. They will know that I am the Lord their God who brought them out of Egypt so that I might dwell with them. I am the Lord their God. God dwelling with his people in this structure that they would make. If you don't know anything about the tabernacle, if you've got a study Bible or you have access to the church library, look up the tabernacle. It was fantastic. All sorts of metals were used, jewelry was used, it was incredible. Now, this brings us to our point about spiritual gifts. God chose two men to lead along with other men gifted for the job to build this structure, to sew the garments, that the priests would wear. They would be filled with the Holy Spirit to get the gifts that they needed to do what they had to do. Well, what about their past life? What about their resume? What, what, what did it say? Brick builder. I make bricks. Well, possibly they may have learned some things being around the Egyptians 
there may have been some skills that were picked up, but basically God is saying, this is my building. This is my structure where I'll meet with you. And you know what? I'm going to give you everything you need inside and out to do it. They would work with valuable metals, precious stones, wood, and colored yarn, and fine linen. Exodus 35, 32 to 35 says, to make artistic designs for work in gold, silver, and bronze, to cut and set stones, to work in wood, and to engage in all kinds of artistic craftsmanship. And he has given both him and Aholiab, son of Ahisamach, of the tribe of Dan, the ability to teach others. He has filled them with skill to do all kinds of work as craftsmen, designers, embroiderers in blue, purple, and scarlet yarn, and fine linen, and weavers, all of them master craftsmen and designers. Yeah, I'll do that. Yeah, I can cut the stones. I'll do the weaving. I'll do all of that. I couldn't of myself. But the Lord says, I'd like this building built. It's going to be movable. You'll tear it down, go to the next place, set it up, and there you can worship me. But all of the pieces, everything that went into it, I will not only show you what it looks like, but I'll also empower the people involved to build it. So looking at the passage itself, verses 1 and 2 says, The Lord said to Moses, See, I have chosen Bezalel, son of Uri, the son of Hur of the tribe of Judah. He's chosen him. Building the tabernacle and all it contained with God's plan and work, that's what God wanted to be done. Practical ministry, what is it? It's something that someone contributes with their hands. It's the work that Jerry and Leif and Mike did to help make this beautiful building even more beautiful. It's kindness that Mamina showed. It's the heart for other people. At God's direction, a person is obedient and then does these things in God's name to help build up the church. Paul tells Titus, an elder is to do God's work. An overseer is entrusted with God's work. You see, that's what we have to understand. A spiritual gift implies that there's work to be done. There's work to be done to help others and to build the church particularly. An overseer is entrusted with God's work. He tells the Corinthians that we are Christ's servants. So then men ought to regard us as servants of Christ. I'm not a servant. I'm a servant at work. But God is saying that this gift I'm giving you enables you, this particular one, to be a servant. And the other gifts as well. The Lord chose Bezalel. He knew the man and knew his family. His grandfather likely was the person who helped hold Moses' hand up when he prayed as they fought the Amalekites. So tell me how this fits in with the New Testament. Here's an example of practical ministry. You remember Dorcas, the woman who was so kind to others and then she died and was raised to life? Dorcas had a practical ministry in the early church. Acts 9.36-39 says, In Joppa there was a disciple named Tabitha, which when translated is Dorcas 
who was always doing good and helping the poor. About that time, she became sick and died, and her body was washed and placed in an upstairs room. Lydda was near Joppa, so when the disciples heard that Peter was in Lydda, they sent two men to him and urged him, please come and at once. Please, Peter went with them, and when he arrived, he was taken upstairs to the room. All the widows stood around, crying and showing him the robes and other clothing that Dorcas had made them while she was still with them. But that's sort of goodwill, that's sort of nice people. No, it isn't. It's one of the gifts that God gives us to serve and love each other. By the way, when it says that the Lord chose Bezalel, the word implies God's sovereign choice. It means a call to a specific task, and it's a loud call to get attention, and it's a summons to come. What will get my attention? to do something the Lord wants me to do in a practical ministry. The key player here is the Holy Spirit. Verse three, and I have filled him with the spirit of God, with wisdom, with understanding, with knowledge, and with all kinds of skills to make artistic designs for work in gold, silver, and bronze, to cut and set stones, to work in wood, and to engage in all kinds of crafts. This plan was the Lord's. What Mama Mina did for a bus driver that she cared about during the holidays was God's plan for her, customized for her. Did she have other gifts? Sure, probably. But this was one that she was especially obedient to. The expertise and the skills were given to these people, Bezalel, and then his assistant, Aholiab, and there were others, too, to help in this massive task. Commentators Kyle and Delich write, Filling with the Spirit of God signifies the communication of an extraordinary and supernatural endowment and qualification. Buying a gift for a bus driver? Yeah. God's Spirit, who indwells you, will give you what's needed for the gift of practical ministry, if that happens to be yours. He'll allow you to do his work his way, to show love. I like the way the message translates 1 Corinthians 12, 4 to 8. God's various gifts are handed out everywhere, but they all originate in God's spirit. God's various ministries are carried out everywhere, but they all originate in God's spirit. God's various expressions of power are in action everywhere, but God himself is behind it all. Each person is given something to do that shows who God is. Everyone gets in on it. Everyone benefits. All kinds of things are handed out by the Spirit and all kinds of people. The variety is wonderful. Bezalel was given three types of expertise that's mentioned here with wisdom, with understanding, and with knowledge. Wisdom can also mean ability. So the ability to do it, well, what's so hard about crocheting? Try it. <laughs> what's so hard about getting up early and making waffles for the family so you could get there early on Christmas morning? Ability, understanding, intelligence. You need intelligence 
to follow God's will and command. And lastly, knowledge. It's defined as the ability to make choices at an opportune time. That's leadership, but it's knowledge as well. So they worked in gold and bronze, silver, stones, wood, and any other material. Certain talents were given to them. Special forms of expertise to manipulate those things. We can use our talents in the same way. God gave Joshua leadership skills. Now Joshua, Deuteronomy 34, 9 says, Son of Nun was filled with the spirit of wisdom because Moses laid his hands on him. When we accept Jesus Christ as our personal Savior, Besides these gifts, the most important thing that happens is the Holy Spirit comes to indwell us. We become the tabernacle, and we're mobile. The Holy Spirit is there to give us, to facilitate to us, to impart to us, to endow us with a gift or gifts to serve the church and others. But there was a helper, verse 6, Moreover, I have appointed a holy son of Ahissamach of the tribe of Dan to help him. Also, I have given skill to all the craftsmen to make everything I have commanded you. A holy not a name that you hear every day. His name means the father is my tent or dwelling. The father is my tent or dwelling. His parents wanted him to know that, and he lived up to it. God surrounded his life. Aholiab was handpicked to help Bezalel. And when you are involved in practical ministry, God will handpick the team, will handpick your assistant. Know that and understand that. He knew the two of them would work well together. We should see our Christian leaders on all levels here at CBC and elsewhere as appointed by the Lord to do practical ministry. Jonathan worked well with David. Jonathan was the king's son, but David would become the new king eventually. 1 Samuel 18, 1-4 says, After David had finished talking with Saul, Jonathan became one in spirit with David, and he loved him as himself. Working in a practical ministry team should be that way. And again, the word that the Lord used for appointed means get going. Handing someone, something over to someone, ascribing to someone, affecting a result. It's action. The assistant needs to act. Are we who may have the gift of practical ministry taking the handoff and running with the ball in our practical ministry? Listen for what the Lord's telling you. Well, I'm waiting to go up there and be on the platform. Great, maybe. But listen for the calls for practical ministry. That may be your gift. There were skilled workers. The team was building the tabernacle. Serving the Lord with other believers is both encouraging and especially wonderful. The workers also had to be willing to use the new gift. 
That's important. Exodus 36.2 says, Then Moses summoned Bezalel and Aholiab and every skilled person to whom the Lord had given ability and who was willing to come and do the work. Well, I'm just really not up to it. You know, I'm so busy. I just really, yeah, yeah Lord, I kind of know, but maybe pass me by. Get someone else who's more worthy to do it. You had to be willing to come. You had to be willing to do the practical ministry. So a gift is a wonderful thing to receive. It will empower you. It will enhance you. But you have to be willing to use it. Verses 7 to 11, the tent of meeting, the ark of the testimony with the atonement cover on it, and all the other furnishings of the tent, the table and its articles, the pure gold lampstand and all its accessories, the altar of incense, the altar of burnt offering and all its utensils, the basin with its stand, and also the woven garments, both the sacred garments for Aaron the priest and the garments for his sons when they serve as priests, and the anointing oil and the fragrant incense for the holy place, they are to be made just as I commanded you. Multiple items are mentioned to be made. They are to be made by Bezalel, Aholiab, and the team, so that God would dwell with his people. Keep in mind that their goal was to create a meeting place for the Lord and the people. Got it. Create a meeting place with God and the people. Exodus 29, 42 says, For the generations to come, this burnt offering is to be made regularly at the entrance to the tent of meeting before the Lord. There I will meet you and speak to you. So what does practical ministry have to do with meeting with the Lord? See, that's the cool part. You're yielding yourself to God, that God can have some important time with other Christians. Well, I'm not you know, a Bible student or anything. I, I, I don't know what I can contribute. You contribute your love. You contribute your skill. You contribute your time. We can encourage other Christians that way by the use of this gift of practical ministry. Galatians 6.10 says something cool. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. I can help. I can do it as God would lead. That's a ministry. Well, I'm not the pastor. All I do is some practical things once in a while. Great. You're helping the faith. You're helping your fellow believers. But there's something else that's there. Remember I said it gives the opportunity to create a meeting between the Lord and someone. A Christian, yes, but a non-Christian as well. Some of you have read the book Godspace. The whole idea is to create a safe environment where God and the individual can interact. And by being involved in practical ministry, going over to help someone, to do something for someone, is a chance for you to create God's space. 
Colossians 4, 5, and 6 says, Be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. That's great. It's also very convicting. I'm too busy. Life's moving too fast. Be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Your practical gift, the kindness you show, the skill that you use, the love that you express creates interaction time, creates questions that God puts you there because it's his plan to give you that gift, to put you there to reach someone for Christ. And the last part is train. The Lord also gave Bezalel and Holiab the ability to teach others. See, this passage we read in Exodus 31 is sort of repeated in 35, but there's an addition or two, one of which has to do with training. And he has given both him and Aholiab, son of Ahisamach of the tribe of Dan, the ability to teach others. Do you know when you use your practical gift, practical ministry gift around others, they're going to learn from you. And as God gives them the gift, they can begin to use it. So Moses adds an extra part to 35. He says he's given the ability to train as well. You model behavior. You teach behavior. That there would be more like you. You're reproducing yourself. How wonderful for one believer to teach one another to teach another and show by example the gift of practical ministry. 2 Timothy 2.2 in the New Living Translation says, You have heard me teach things that have been confirmed by many reliable witnesses. Now teach these truths to other trustworthy people who will be able to pass them on to others. Just a couple of final points. As you were reading, you probably noticed that one person, Bezalel, came from the tribe of Judah, the tribe of the kings. The other one came from the tribe of Dan, a lesser known tribe. Whether you're well known, very popular, the tribe of Judah, or whether you're a little bit in the background, the tribe of Dan, it doesn't matter. Both people were endowed by the Holy Spirit and gifted with certain gifts to do the job of practical ministry. So don't think you have to be a big shot. Don't think you have to be a star of the show. Judah or Dan. Bezalel had a great family lineage. You can look up and see what Hur did to help Moses as he prayed. Aholiab? I would look up Bezalel in, in various topical Bibles and, and I'd see all sorts of things that Bezalel did and all the scriptures involved in him and then I look it up Aholiab and there's two scriptures and nothing said. So again, the point is, it doesn't matter. You're doing God's work in practical ministry. I heard from other believers as I grew up that there were two ways to know your spiritual gift because that's kind of what we're doing. We're trying to figure out where 
is our spiritual gift. They used to tell me, first you feel drawn to a particular gift and you enjoy doing it. And second, other Christians tell you that you do the gift well and fit the role. I would encourage you to pray over these things. You're going to hear a lot more. There's 1 Corinthians 12 and Romans 12 and 1 Peter. There's different passages that we're going to look at. See what you're drawn to. If it's practical ministry, explore that with the Lord. Lord, give me the skill. Give me the enhanced ability to do these kind of things, to show love to people, to represent you. To allow that opportunity for me to create a meeting between you and a Christian, between you and someone who doesn't know the Lord. Look at the gift and look at people around you. See what they say. Oh boy, you know, I really appreciated what you did the other day. It just really meant so much. It really helped me a lot. Boy, you're good at that. Listen for that. It may be the Lord's way of telling you that there are opportunities for you to continue your gift. If it's practical ministry, then that's great. The Amplified Bible of 1 Corinthians 12.1 translates that verse now about the spiritual gifts, the special endowments of supernatural energy. Brethren, I do not want you to be misinformed. Supernatural energy. To crochet a blanket? Yeah. I can't close without mentioning the whole start of everything. You get a spiritual gift when you accept Christ as your personal savior. He gives you those gifts. Maybe one, two, three, more. For you to build up the church and to reach others. But what's this accepting Christ as savior? Dick refers to it as the spiritual journey. What is it? During the holidays, one of the things I enjoy doing is watching a Christmas carol. And I remember in the first scene when Jacob Marley's ghost appears to Scrooge. He's bearing all sorts of chains and locks and everything else on his body. And he says, I wear the chain I forged in life. I made it link by link. We are born into this world with the tendency to sin. We'll do wrong rather than right. It's just natural for us. And then we add to it the fact that we kind of enjoy the sin. God says, no sinner will be allowed into heaven. Disconnect. You are wearing the chain you forged in life. And you're continuing to make more links. And I mean by that, 
sin is still in your life. You've seen a crucifix. You see Jesus Christ pictured on that cross, dying. Why? It's a religious symbol? No. It's him dying to pay for your sin. Jesus Christ died on that cross that my sin and your sin would be placed on him. So what does that do? It means I'm free, guilt-free, clean. Then the gifts come. So I would invite you this morning to think about where you are in relation to Christ. Well, I'm not into religion. I really don't do too much in that area. Are you into eternal life? It's appointed unto men once to die, and after this, the judgment. I don't like that verse. I don't like being judged. But Jesus Christ, by dying on that cross and taking your sin, all you do is receive it. Just say yes. Accept that he paid for your sin. When you do that, you're free. You become God's child. And then the spiritual gifts come, and the usefulness come, and the bright future comes. And after this, you die. Then the angels escort you into heaven. A wonderful, wonderful thought. So if you've never trusted Christ, as we close in prayer, just whisper something quick to the Lord and say, Lord, I, I guess that's me. I want Jesus Christ as my Savior. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for this opportunity to begin our study of spiritual gifts. We'd like to know, and yet we want to be useful. Help us to be more concerned with being useful. Father, help us to consider what we can do for you. Let us follow obediently what you have for us. To do it, look for these supernatural enhancements in our lives. Father, fill us with your spirit. Use us for your glory to build up the church and to create in our lives a safe place for those who don't know Jesus Christ to find and know him like we do. And for someone here, Father, who has not begun their spiritual journey, who is not saved, Father, we pray that they would be saved from a horrible fate to come by believing that Jesus Christ took their sin. May they accept that, hand the sin over to the Lord, and believe it's been paid for, and then use them, gift them, and use them for your glory. Continue to bless us into this day and the rest of this service, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.